And a big welcome into the 3 a.m. Coney podcast here on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, if you're watching. It has been a whirlwind for me. But before we get into anything, Jesse Bates, OBJ, all the summer news that the Bengals provide, which is actually a lot, surprisingly. We want to remind you to like, subscribe, share to the 3 a.m. Coney, um, do everything. You know, you know how to do it. A, a lot of people ask you to do it to like, to subscribe, to share. So do it, please. It costs you nothing, and it makes me feel great. It makes me want to get on here more and more and put, you know, a ton more work into it. And, and I really do appreciate everybody that has subscribed, likes, shares, comments, all of that. We want to shout out Brian, who already dropped a comment. I've never done this on the stream before, Brian. Congratulations. You make the screen. The Bengals cannot pay Jesse Bates the way he wants to be paid. $14 million per year is max dollar for him. That's Brian's opinion. We will get to it later in the show. But before we, wanna, before we start and dive into the Cincinnati Bengals and Cincinnati sports-related topics, we're talking a little World Cup today, a little MLS today, ton of stuff in the show. I want to get a little personal um, and talk about just the insane, insane weeks I've had since the last show we had. So the last show we had was before my wedding. And in that time, I got married, which still is a thing. I'm not, not going to break any bad news there. Um, but in that time, I had my wedding, honeymoon. My best man got into a car accident, which he's doing better. He's doing great now. Um, we'll continue the quarterback series with Max McDoolan when that happens. Um, and then we landed for my honeymoon, and my uh, grandfather ended up passing away. So it's been a lot of large life events for me. Combine that with the same fact that I just agreed, and I'll release a Facebook and Twitter thing about this, I just agreed to be a contributor for Stripe for fan sided, so some of my some of my work will be posted there in terms of articles, adjusted games, loss studies, and things like that. Um, so I had that coming in, and then I'm going to be doing some college basketball in Northwest Indiana in terms of play by play. And again, this is personal news. Skip ahead five minutes, or if you're watching live, I'll see you in five minutes, and we'll get into Jesse Bates. You know, but I just had all that happen, and I normally don't use this podcast for an outlet to be negative or personal. Um, but, you know, this is my thing. This is my journal. This is where I can come and talk about it all. Um, so, yeah, my uh, grandfather passed away, 74. Ronald R. Moore Sr. is a Purple Heart, lost both of his hands during the Vietnam War while being a part of the DMZ police in Korea. Um, he was my best friend, hung out with him all the time, um, throughout the summers and yeah, he was really important to my life and a huge influence into the way I approach people and the way I approach situations and, you know, my comedy and my lightheartedness and anything like that. Uh, he was super important to all that and yeah, it was a tough thing to go through, but at the same time, uh, happier than I've ever been, um, getting married and, and having all these great new opportunities and having people listening to the show and the Coney growing faster than it's ever grown before. Um, so I just want to say, pour one out for my, uh, for my papa and yeah, subscribe. 
and do all that good stuff. Um, yeah, let's not get into it anymore. Let's go ahead and move forward. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and Jesse Bates. We already we had our first comment. And listen, if you comment on our YouTube feed, and I believe the Facebook feed, although it might not be Facebook, it might be Twitter. But if you go to YouTube, find this video and comment, we can show your comment on the screen as Brian has provided. Well, maybe you don't want to comment now if it's on the screen. The Bengals cannot pay Jesse Bates the way he wants to be paid. $14 million per year is max dollar for him. Let's dive into this topic because it is the most pertinent and relevant topic to the Cincinnati Bengals and their Super Bowl chances. The title of this video is The Bengals Can Never Trade Jesse Bates. Was this my opinion a week ago? I don't think so. I wouldn't say can never in any circumstance trade. But the comments from Joe Burrow this past week were so strong, such an endorsement of Jesse Bates, that it has completely changed the game on his value to this team. Now, Brian, I agree with the premise that maybe we can't pay or the Bengals can't pay Jesse Bates top of the market like Minka Fitzpatrick. They can't pay $19 million for a safety when you want to re-sign Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow might cost $60 million and all these things that are coming down the pipe, Logan Wilson on the defense as well, that maybe we can't be paying a safety who wasn't an all-pro level performer like $19 million a year, $14 million max. And I kind of agree with that theory of a long-term extension, of that's where I would have the long-term extension. A reasonable deal from 14 to $18 million they should be guaranteeing more of it so that he takes less, but I don't want to get in that conversation today. I got to save some content for the summer because I'm diving into a YouTube show in the dead content period. But maybe more people will watch that way. I don't know. We'll find out. But Jesse Bates, whether he signs a long-term extension or not, is actually irrelevant to the conversation of whether he should be traded. Jesse Bates is now an untradeable asset after Joe Burrow's comments. It better be three first-round picks and a starter for Jesse Bates. And you know you're not getting that. Because the comments from Joe Burrow weren't just, Jesse Bates is a hyper-talented player, and he's really important to our defense, and I really hope we can keep him in business as business. No, Joe Burrow made a resounding, resounding affirmant of Jesse Bates' culture and what he adds to the Cincinnati Bengals from a culture perspective. And that, to me, is the number one catalyst, and Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor believe it is the number one catalyst to the Cincinnati Bengals' unprecedented rise. That they wouldn't be able to be getting this much out of the talent on the team if it weren't for their culture. And Joe Burrow just went out and said, Jesse Bates is the number one provider of that culture, and that's what makes him an untradeable asset. Because you can let Jesse Bates walk and you can talk to Joe Burrow and you can talk to the team and it's just business. Hey, we valued him here. He valued himself here and we couldn't come together on agreement. He wanted more guaranteed money. Have fun in Jacksonville, son. I, that, that's the way it can be if you let him walk. And then you take the compensatory pick, whatever it may be, fourth rounder, you pocket it and you move forward. Jesse got what he deserved on the franchise tag and was able to move on. Nobody is to blame. It's just done. But if you go out and trade Jesse Bates to a destination he doesn't want to go to because you can't 
pony up the dollars. That's bad PR. That's a bad look. That's a bad, bad, bad situation. That, that would be a panic bells for me, especially for the 2022 season. And that's what we need to understand about this entire thing. And what we'll talk about in a second with Odell Beckham Jr. Everything the Bengals have been building to since they hired Zach Taylor, since they released that, that commercial with everybody in it and that happy song, and it's a new day. It's a new day. That campaign. Everything they've been building to, from public relations, from new uniforms, from the way they've changed the way their front office operates, from the way Mike Brown has changed his attitude and stance towards free agency and the fans, you can run down a list of 100 reasons. Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, the catalysts of it. But the pinnacle of that entire roster build, of the coach build, of the staff build, of the Joe Burrow timeline, the pinnacle of it all is 2022. This is the year. This is the year the roster peaks. This is the year you don't have to worry about contracts. This is the year that everybody is rolling into the offseason full-focused, full-steamed, Let's go win a Super Bowl. This is the last time it'll ever be like this, where they know they're a good team and you don't have any unnecessary complications. You have a complete staff holdover. It's one of the most unique things in the NFL. Jay Morrison and Paul Daner, fellow Bobcats, were talking about it on their podcast here, that podcast Groundland, and they're really close to the team and they're like, this is unprecedented. Having your offensive coordinator, head coach, and defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator all back, for four straight years, that's unprecedented. This is it. This is the season. And the Bengals organization and Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, I think they're all treating it that way as well. 2022 is the season. Yeah, they almost won the Super Bowl last year. But the way this roster built up, you're all the holes are plugged now. This is the season to go. And that's why Jesse Bates... If you can't come to agreement, you just you, you know he's going to play on the franchise tag. And that's what this visit to Vegas is most likely for for Joe Burrow to ensure that if the Bengals front office can't come to an agreement that they feel is best for the Cincinnati Bengals, then Joe's going to talk to him so that Jesse shows up for everything and he plays on the franchise tag. And then we'll see how good Dax Hill is. And everybody moves forward. And everybody moves forward. And that's where this thing is probably going to. I don't think they're coming to a long-term extension. But you bet those comments from Joe Burrow, they kept any, there's no second-round pick and a backup player. And, and some of these things that people I really like on Twitter are suggesting about what they should do and they should just trade him now, I think it's really underestimating what that can do to the, to the culture of the team. This, this culture that has provided everything for the Bengals. This culture that I, I said during the draft they must maintain. During free agency they must maintain. They have to maintain that culture at all costs. And trading a guy that's been there through the losing that just wanted more guaranteed money for a second-round pick or something can't happen. Can't happen if you want success in the NFL. All right, let's move on to the next most pertinent topic, Odell Beckham Jr. See, li listen, Odell Beckham Jr., to me, this is another thing that I can't believe people are standing on one side of. The amount of people in these replies to these tweets that's like, we can't be signing Odell Beckham. No, no, no. 
Can't have Odell Beckham Jr. No, please, no. Hell no, not Odell. Like, we've so trained to hate him because he went to Cleveland and you wanted to make fun of Browns fans for the fact that Baker Mayfield couldn't take advantage of Odell Beckham Jr., that he was too big of a personality for him. We can't separate those arguments, people, and understand that if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't tear his ACL, we probably lose the Super Bowl by three scores and he's holding up the MVP trophy. And that if this guy legitimately wants to come to Cincinnati on a contract that Mike Brown and Duke Tobin would find acceptable and be the fourth wide receiver and understand that he's signing up for an ease-in role, for a playoff role, for a if-somebody-gets-hurt role, if he's willing to sign up for that, he's not too big of a personality for Joe Burrow to handle. You guys don't want Odell Beckham Jr., and I know that people kind of want it because he's such a big personality and he's got such a big head sometimes in some people's eyes that he's so over-scrutinized that your opinion on him, one way or the other, either you way overrate what Odell Beckham Jr. is as a wide receiver or way underrate him as a wide receiver because he's so polarizing one way or the other. But what we have to understand about Odell Beckham Jr. is that if he were the fourth wide receiver on your team, that is an immense strategic advantage. Immense. And he loved that Rams culture. And guess what? Zach Taylor is the Rams culture. That was the one of the most undercovered storylines in the Super Bowl. The fact that this player-friendly culture, relaxed fit culture, be-yourself culture, represented both conferences in the Super Bowl. So I think Odell Beckham Jr. would slide into that culture very well, especially if he's already agreeing to a contract that Duke Tobin and Mike Brown would find acceptable. So you're not asking for big money here. Again, I don't think any of this is going to happen. I think that he maybe is using it as a leverage play or whatever it may be. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is coming to Cincinnati, right? But if he wants to, how can you say no? Guys, how can you say no? You can't say no. Just imagine the lineup. It is, it is just, and I don't want to talk about special teams or what the normal fourth wide receiver role could be. There are ways you can adjust the roster, and if Darren Simmons can't figure it out, then he's not the special teams coordinator that he's hyped up to be. But do you know what Odell Beckham Jr. provides? Insurance for the one thing that could go wrong, injuries to the wide receiver core. That's the one fear with Joe Burrow is that he's standing back there, plenty of time to throw, and nobody's open because Mike Thomas is out there playing wide receiver one because of some horrible luck with injuries. So what you what you would love is another all-pro level player. You'd have four of them. I mean, the... And, and, you know, target shares and all that, Joe handles that super well. He understands how to handle a great wide receiver room. And T. Higgins and Jamar Chase admire Odell Beckham Jr. The only one that I don't know how he'd handle it is Tyler Boyd. But guess who's the expendable receiver of the three? It's Tyler Boyd. And I love, Ty- I love TB. And I think he's fantastic in the slot. But Odell Beckham Jr. is a better receiver. Point blank, period. We, I watched it in the Super Bowl. I just watched it in the last game he played. So if he wants to come here and rehab and the Bengals say, man, we've got a great rehab training staff and, you know, we're building an indoor practice facility. You can come help us win a Super Bowl. And he signs up for that. I don't know why we wouldn't sign up for that. A more important point, though, is the fact that we can even have this conversation in the offseason is mind-blowing. It's off the chain, dog. As, uh, what was his name? From uh, American Idol, I don't know. I'm not good at pop culture references. I understand them sometimes, and I pretend to laugh at most. But 
the thing about it is there are two free agents that are going to be Hall of Fame players, most likely. Odell Beckham, we'll see. He's in maybe too many injuries, might not make it into the Hall of Fame. But many thought, all pro caliber there. That's what we'll say, all pro caliber. Two all pro caliber players have been connected to the Cincinnati Bengals in free agency, despite the fact that their current team is a Super Bowl champion. So you got Odell Beckham Jr. just coming off a Super Bowl win with the Los Angeles Rams, connected with the Bengals in free agent rumors. Then you've got... Rob Gronkowski connected with Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay, mentioning Joe Burrow every time he every time he can. And you're like, Lucas, these are just dumb Twitter things. These are not planted in reality. They don't matter. I would agree with that, except the fact that it has never happened in Bengals history, despite the fact that they had five straight playoff appearances, despite the fact that they had a loaded roster with a great defense at one point, despite the fact that they had this show-stopping, high-Q rating Chad Ochocinco wide receiver. I've seen all different types of this team. And I've never seen this draw, this sea change in how everybody feels about the Bengals. And we can talk about how feelings don't matter, but everything matters in the NFL. The margins are this small. So the fact that there's a different feel and culture, that's so important for the Bengals organization moving forward that Joe Burrow can attract guys like this. Because, okay, imagine a player like Odell Beckham Jr. that would come at a similar price, but five years from now when the Bengals really need a wide receiver because T. Higgins is gone, Tyler Boyd is gone, the number two draft picks haven't worked out, and now they need a wide receiver, and Joe Burrow can convince some of the best free agents in the league to fill those spots at lower cost. That is massive for the Bengals' future that, he's being, that all of this stuff is being tossed around. And I can't tell you, we'll dive into Joe Burrow's press conference in a future show. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to talk tomorrow. But we're going to dive in to it on a future show about all of Joe Burrow's comments and how he just incredibly checks every box. I'm so blown away with how many boxes he's been able to check in Cincinnati. So I can't wait to dive into that. Final conclusion on Odo Beckham. If you don't think he would help the team win... You're crazy. Because if any contract he would sign to come here, Mike Brown and Duke Tobin would have to agree to, and we know that that wouldn't be some crazy contract. So take out that fact, put it in that he's agreeing to be the fourth wide receiver and ease into the season on a low-dollar contract, give it to me. And especially because Joe Burrow would want it. And anything Joe wants, it goes. I think it would work beautifully in Cincinnati. And... Make us a talking point. Although, I don't know if I want that. Maybe you still want to be doubted down the stretch. Uh, This is something that I am very surprised about as we move forward in the show. The World Cup bid. And I want to touch on this for those Cincinnatians listening that were disappointed that Cincinnati didn't earn a World Cup bid. And, in fact, the state of Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and Louisville and the entire center of the country, at least where I'm from, what I consider my Midwest, You know, I'm from Springfield, Ohio, went to school in Athens, Ohio, near Appalachia, now moved up to Chicago. Those three places are the center of the country for me, and there's no World Cup site there. They picked Kansas City. Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes has completely changed how Kansas City is looked at, and FIFA apparently agreed. I don't think it's football-related. It's probably what it is 
something within the bid of each city and the quality of the stadium and the hotels and just that's the decision that FIFA made, whatever. You know, but this headline down here, if this is the price to pay for this, I got it on me. If this headline, if Kansas City beating Cincinnati out for a World Cup bid is the price we pay for this headline, I have the blur on, so it probably can't see. It's the AFC Championship game. You know what it is. Who knew they did? We did. Who day? Chiefs were not day. Twice. So, whatever. You guys can have the World Cup. We'll, we'll take that AFC Championship to the grave. Will Kansas City win a Super Bowl before they host the World Cup? Probably. I really respect Patrick Mahomes. All right, let's move forward. There's really not much to talk about. Cincinnati lost. It's a shame. The World Cup's going to be great, and it's still going to be great for all of U.S. soccer. There's still going to be watch parties. It'll still be amazing in Cincinnati and Chicago and all the cities. The World Cup being in the country is a countrywide event, even if it's not in your specific city. So you'll still have a ton of fun with it. And we get to all travel to some new cities on the West Coast or the East Coast, maybe somewhere we haven't been for a worldwide event. It's so cool that it's going to be there, that's all the comments I have on the World Cup. Let's move on to the Apple TV deal. How does it move Major League Soccer forward? I'm trying to keep the show under 30 minutes today. I love this. This Apple TV deal not only adds a ton of revenue, but it gives MLS kind of a standard plan of attack moving forward with streaming. And I know that I might have read mostly MLS slanted articles as these media rights deals tend to be. But I think that the MLS moving forward already into streaming and kind of existing where this is already going is such a major advantage for them. They can figure it out themselves. They can provide them a lot of production support. They've got to produce their own production for this. For those of you that don't, don't know, it was a $2.5 billion deal for Apple TV that signed with Major League Soccer to where all the games are going to be broadcast there. No more local TV. It's all going to be on Apple TV. There's probably going to be some subscription model involved, but there are going to be games for free throughout the schedule. So there's a way to watch MLS soccer. The local TV products were making some clubs money and some clubs none. This kind of gives us a balanced playing field if the league is working with the same media rights deal. I think this makes Major League Soccer more balanced moving forward. And the interesting thing about Major League Soccer is they are trying to copy the NFL. You can kind of see it. They're going for 30 teams. They want to be around the nation. They want to have a ton of parity. And that formula over the long haul in a growing sport is probably the right move. Because it's a league with a ton of parity, a league that could use even more parity, and giving the bottom teams extra cash without having to do any work, that certainly helps in parity as well. I hope they don't make this league a New York, Los Angeles all these big cities buy these huge international players because there's no cap on anything. I hope they keep it what it is, which is one of the best development leagues in the world, um, which is one of the most high-scoring, high-flying leagues in the world. There's not a lot of defense, not a lot of good defenders, but there's a lot of good offensive players, and they make the league really exciting, and I think it's a really digestible product if you're interested in it, and, and listen, we'll be interested on this show as FC Cincinnati starts pushing towards the playoffs because, as you've noticed, I haven't mentioned the baseball team in the city one time in the show intentionally 
Because why on earth would I mention I'm not even going to say him? And that that horrible, I, I'm not even going to talk about it. Not even going to talk about it. I went to a Cubs game the other day. I was wearing a Bengals hat, and somebody was like, oh, well, do you like the you know the baseball team in your town that I'm not going to mention uh, on this podcast? And then I said, at the moment, not really. I'd, I'd like to not talk about it, please. We're a little frustrated with it. I will definitely do a segment on that baseball team that shall not be named within this show. But we will talk about that moving forward. Ton of fun stuff on the Coney. This was more of an update show of a, hey, this is where I'm standing personally. This is what's going to be moving forward. So again, the the news at the top, you want to like, subscribe, and share the show. News at the top, I'll have articles, some of my broader thoughts on football, really detailed analyses that I brought to the show and I brought to the 3AM Coney Twitter page. That's going to be start. Some of that stuff's going to go on Stripe Hype, on Fan Sided. Very excited to be in an agreement with those guys and uh, work with the great team over there and 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 have a little more of a broad share and uh, for my articles. And every time you click on that, you really help me um, in my goal of doing more of this stuff. Right? It's it's so hard to do this. And try to also live a life, and and I'm trying to put it all together. So everything you everything you do, everything you watch is always a help to me. And I really appreciate everybody out there liking, subscribing, sharing, commenting, creating more engagement, doing whatever you need to do um, to be a fan of the Three AM Coney, to be a fan of Cincinnati sports. Thank you so much. Kept the show under thirty minutes. So much stuff to get into in the summer. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I will find things to talk about. And we'll keep doing the show, and we'll have one of the best football seasons that there's ever been. And now that we've got this live feed, we've got an ability to do game reacts and a whole bunch of stuff on the 3 a.m. Coney. So if you like me, if you like Matt, if you like Max, if you like Russ, if you like all the guys we found on the show, we've got a lot of Athens connections. So if you want that Joe Burrow insight, hey, this is the place to go. Um, for the for the in-depth look from my eyes and from a lot of people's eyes back in Athens. We're going to try to get Nathan White and the crew, um, everybody back from A-Town on the, sh- on the shows moving forward. And I know I'm rambling at the end because this is what we call a Midwestern exit. You know, you walk in, you say, all right, I'm leaving. All right, everybody, bye, bye. Shake your hand, shake your hand. All right, oh, and then you get into the conversation. Oh, how you doing, Jim? Oh, this is going great. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. Oh, Stacy, how's the kids? Oh, where's he going to school? Oh, and then it's 30 minutes later. You still haven't left, and that's what we're doing with the end of the show. <laughs> like, subscribe, share. I got to get this whole thing together. Really appreciate everything. See ya.